You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. We've been walking through 1 Samuel, and I don't know if you've picked up on this or not, but we, we just really believe the Bible is true, and we believe the Bible changes our lives, and it's really what we need, guys. We need that. We don't need self-help and everything that's going on. We need God, the God of heaven who made this universe, who made us, who gave us His Word perfectly, to speak into our hearts, to speak into our confusion, to speak into our mess, and to, to talk to us. And so 1 Samuel is such an incredible book, and I really am hoping as we, part of the reason we walk through books of the Bible is so that we can kind of over time get those truths embedded in us. And if I could have you walk away after this sermon series rather than just, you know, maybe there's a passage or something in there that really spoke to you, but if you could kind of hang your hat and remember that Samuel is a book, 1 Samuel is about a living faith, it's about ordinary, real people who are living out their faith, or they're not. They're living out their faith, and they're doing some hard things, and God's working in the middle of that, and they're pursuing God and God's grace in their life, or they're not, and they're in the middle of a mess. And we have seen, saw how Hannah stepped up and just in really painful experience with not having a child, and how she stepped in faith and trusted God. We saw how Eli didn't so much, and his sons definitely, and disobeyed God, and the problems that brought in their life. We saw how Samuel had to step forward, that God said, I want you, you're going to be my spokesman, and he had a choice to make at that moment. Do I obey God or not, and do I pursue what you're calling me to, God, in my life? And then we saw how Israel, as a whole, was not living out their faith. They were trusting in other idols, they were manipulating God, they were thought God was some sort of good luck charm that they could kind of control to their own good, and they misunderstood or underestimated the authority of God, and they discovered that God is a dangerous God, and the Philistines thought, saw that as well. And last week, Pastor Steve, he talked about repentance, living, if we are living out our faith in our world, there's a level of repentance that's kind of an ongoing, like where we realized, oh, I've really kind of messed that up. Wow, I've thought I was dealing with pride, and God's been kind of poking at me. I need to repent of that, or maybe anger, or just things like our living faith. We should expect that a holy God in heaven, He loves us and receives us based on Jesus, but He's just throughout our life shaping us and pointing out and helping us to grow and to deal with some of that in our life as well. Well, this morning, I want you to notice that a living faith is a yielded faith. When someone is learning to drive, when you learn to drive, or maybe some of you are doing that as well, my wife is glad she is retired from driving school. She has finished teaching all eight of our children. She is done. And no, she does not want to teach your kids. And no, you do not want me teaching your kids. So it is on you or paying the other person. But one of those signs is so important when you're first learning to drive. Like, stop sign is more important than go sign, right? When you're a parent in there, like, Learn to stop before you learn to go. Yield is another one of those signs of support because yield tells you, it tells the drivers who are coming into a point together at the same time, which one has the right of way, which one is to take priority of the others. Where Susan and I live, we, have a, we live on a corner of a, a highway out in the country, and there's a yield sign right beside our house on that road. And uh, the state put it there just a few years ago. In my estimation, they did it wrong. Now, they might, I'm not a traffic engineer, I'm not a DOT expert, but it is confusing because it is kind of a T-stop, and I don't know if it'll be on the screen or not. The next there you can see it, actually. So my little yard is kind of the upper right-hand corner, and that little red triangle is the yield sign. Now, if you're an orange car 
and you're kind of making a right from 160 to go north on Thayer, you have a yield sign that you're supposed to yield for any of the green cars coming and wanting to go north as well, right? It's nice to let yell, green has a right away, orange doesn't. The problem is there's no yield sign for the blue and green cars at all, and the speed limit is 55, and if you're the blue car, which I've done many times, you come down there, you've not turned yet. That is your lane. Like, you are in the lane. But the green car has made a left, and nothing told them to yield, and I've had to slam on my brakes more than once to avoid a head-on crash. And I actually wrote the state. I'm like, guys, this is a problem. Like, move the yield sign to the other side of the road, make green yield to everybody, problem solved. No accidents. Because I know I live on that corner, my family drives on that corner, my friends drive on that corner dozens and dozens of times. Somebody that I know and love is going to get in a head-on car crash, and it might be me. When you do not yield and you choose to move forward, bad things happen. When you do not know who is supposed to yield or don't realize you're supposed to yield, bad things happen. We have yield signs even in the Christian life. When we look up to God in heaven, as we worship Him, and as we are following Him, and as we are trying to take our cues for Him, there is always a big, fat, blinking light yield sign that says we are to yield to Him. We, Our plans are to yield to His plans. When His plans are in motion, and they intersect our plans, guess whose plans are the ones that need to stop and be adjusted? Ours do. And folks, that's not easy, but that's the topic what we're looking at today. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Look at 1 Samuel 8. We're at the point Israel has had enough in life. They have had these judges that that would kind of tribal leaders who would raise up and come down and go up and down, and sometimes they'd be good, sometimes they'd be bad, and they were tired of it. And they're looking around at all the other kingdoms. They're like, well, they've got a king. It's kind of working out for them. I heard last week Egypt just beat up on this other country. They've got a king. We don't have a king. We need, we need a king. That's what's going on. So read with me. 1 Samuel chapter 8. The Bible says this. Samuel became old. Wait a minute, Sean. He was just born and he was just a young guy. Well, time is flying in between these chapters. He is now an old guy. And he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel. The name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. So dad said, okay, I'm going to put my sons in charge of some other things, right? Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but this is for mom and dad. It's too good to not pass along. When we read 1 Samuel, this part of the whole living faith, you are to put yourselves in the shoes of various people to learn and grow for yourself. Eli made a mess of his boys. He didn't know how to correct them and all of that. Samuel, from a very young man, was raised by Eli. Even though he had biological mom and dad, in essence, he learned life and learned ministry from Eli, and he made the exact same mistake that his spiritual dad did, and he repeated if you were raised, I'm talking to younger moms and dads in the room or just having kids or maybe have kids at home. If you were raised in a, by a mom or dad or both or a guardian, who, however that worked for you, but who did not follow Jesus, who did not lead a godly life, I promise you, you have picked up on some bad habits and that you will have to consciously break 
and do something differently. And it will be uncomfortable. It will be, uh, feel weird to you. And it will be, be like, I'm not so sure of it because it's different than everything you've ever known. And even if you were raised by godly parents, as parents, we have a responsibility to look back and reflect on our parents, not to judge them, not to say it's all your fault because of the way I am, but to say, what did they do well that I want to copy? What did they do not so well? Because if you don't do that, you repeat the bad pattern. And our family should continue to spiral upward and not downward. And if you can't identify those, then you probably have not looked deeply at it enough and are not paying attention to your own parenting. Nothing to do with our sermon, but I could not blow by that. Let's go on. Verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old. Most, if somebody came to you and said, Hey, you're old. <laughs> okay, yep, all right, all right. You kind of buckle your seatbelt. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Hey, we need a king. We need to be like everybody else. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. At least somebody in the room was doing what they should have done. He was like, God, what do you think about this? They didn't, but he did. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they rejected me from being king over them. Samuel didn't like it because he knew that it wasn't just that they needed a better structure. They were choosing to have somebody else more important in their life, a physical king versus the king of kings in their life. And Samuel was upset about it. God said, they're rejecting me, they're rejecting you. According to all the deeds that they've done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods, so they also are doing to you. They're rejecting you just like me. Folks, people treat us as followers of Jesus the way they treat God. Deal with it, get over it, that's reality. Move on in life, that's a part of what it means to be the family of God. God's just like, Samuel, suck it up, don't be offended, here's what's going on. Now then, in verse 9, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. I won't read the next batch of verses because he goes on to tell them. Tell them that they're going to take your sons and your daughters. They're going to get a king all right, but they're going to take the son and daughters out of their family. In fact, they're going to take the best Everything they want, all of your livestock they're going to take, they're going to tax you, 10% is going to go to them. They're going to do whatever they want. They're going to rule over you. There's going to be a level of authority and control and domination over your life that you are now going to be serving this earthly king, and you are not going to like it. It is going to turn out bad for you. How often have you and I wanted something that we thought was good, and God said, yeah, that's not so good. Yeah, that might look good, and it might look good in another church or another person's life or your friend's life, but that's not for you because this is going to turn out differently. And you think it's good, but it's not. And so Samuel warned them, and they go ahead. And in verse 19, Samuel talked to them. But listen to what they said after he explains to them how bad this is going to be. In verse 19, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no. But there shall be a king over us. Samuel was God's man, and they said no to God. Oh. We would all be lying if we said we've never said no to God. We've done the same thing. And they said no, but we will have a king, so that, in verse 20, we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, 
and go out before us and fight our battles. I want to talk to you this morning about yielding ourselves and our plans to God. When God's plans are making a left-hand turn, and our plans were to make a right-hand turn and runs across God's path, it is our job to put on the brakes and to say, God, you're right. I'm joining you in what you want, and I'm not going to continue on in what I want. A living faith is a yielded faith. It is a faith that we say, God, you are in charge. We are not. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Not just of my salvation. You saved me through faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. But you are Lord of my life. There is a surrendering that we talk about so often that faith really is a surrendering faith. It is us kneeling before the God of heaven and it is for salvation. But then it is an ongoing yielding to what God is up to. Folks, in every person's life, God is always throwing us curveballs and doing things, allowing things in our life, wanting something different than we immediately want. It's because He is smarter than all of us in this room. He is wiser. He knows everything around us. Hello? When you and I think that, that we should get our way or what we want should happen, we're saying that we're smarter than God. So a yielded faith is always us recognizing that there's a God in heaven who supersedes us in authority, who supersedes us in power, who supersedes us in wisdom and knowledge. And our job is to stay in tune and stay in touch with Him. So it's a yielded faith. Now, we're not talking about bad things here. You know, so often, I mean, sometimes like last week, it's all about repentance. Hey, you're sinning. Get rid of idols. Deal with it. Bad, right? Sin, bad. Pretty simple language. These are not necessarily bad things. Kings were not necessarily bad and evil. We'll talk a little bit more about it in just a minute, but they saw the issues. They were thinking people who were evaluating their life. They knew that kind of the geopolitical thing of the world is kind of like, you know, before there were just little factions of individual leaders and cities are kind of doing all their thing and kind of cities began grouping together and nations began forming and they're kind of out of that structure began rising a king. A king began raising up and, and it allowed those kingdoms to be powerful and have stability and strength and to provide for its people. And so they're looking around and like, Man, for the last however many years, we're dealing with these sorry judges, and we get a good one, and we get a bad one, and we get a good one, and the next one's a bad one, and this is just, we're vulnerable. Like, we, we, this nonsense needs to stop. We need stability. We need structure. We need strength. They saw the issue properly, but they saw the wrong solution. In fact, they chose not to ask God the solution. I'll tell you a secret. The smart people in the room the people who like to plan in the room, and the people who are very confident in the room, this is difficult for you to live out a yielded faith. Because you're smart. You see problems, and you know how to solve it, and you solution it, and you're used to it. And type A people, it's tough for you, and me, I'm a bit there too, to live a yielded faith. It takes a conscious work. People who are confident and think they got it figured out and people who like to plan and like to have all the details. And God's like, yeah, I know that plan makes common sense, but that just is not where I'm going. Your plan doesn't work. Your plan is not my plan. So we're talking about adjusting good plans to God. We're talking about 
How do our dreams that we have that we might want to do that are not bad, that are good, but God says, that's not my dream for you. That's your dream for you. That's your dream for your family. That's your dream for your kid, but that's not my dream. That's not my plan. It's hard when you come to terms and realize that, oh my goodness, what I've been investing in and wanting to accomplish and do in my life is not going to happen. And it creates a crisis in our life. And what it really is, it creates a crisis of identity for us. Well, I can't do that, or I failed, or I'm not getting my way. It creates a crisis of, of belief and trust that God really loves us. It creates a crisis of, is God taking care of me? Can I trust Him? It creates all kinds of a crisis, and God's saying, yeah, what you really need to do is to learn to just yield to me. That's really the only crisis, because when you yield to me, then it's okay. Then it's not an issue of your identity. Then it's not an issue of you going to be okay. It's not an issue of you getting your way and all of that. It's just, oh, this is not what God wanted. See, the challenge you and I have, when was the last time that you got into a car or into a plane? We're not driving or flying. There's no pilots in the room, right? I don't want to fly with you if you're not a pilot. <laughs> when was the last time you got into a car or plane and you had absolutely, as a passenger, and you had absolutely no idea where it was going? We don't do that as adults, right? We kind of have an idea. Now, some of you wives are snickering because your husbands are so directionally challenged and you're so grateful for GPS that they can keep their pride and plug in the GPS, right, and not have to follow their sense of direction. I'm that guy that says, oh, I think it's over here, and I'm always 100% wrong 100% of the time. Kids, babies, and little kids get plunked into their car seats, all dressed up, and they get cranky because they really don't know why you're making them put on a snowsuit and put on those stupid clothes, and you're just throwing them into this vehicle, and they have no on earth idea why you're doing this and what fun or what pain is on the other end. They have no clue that chocolate chips are waiting them at grandma's house. They have no clue that, you know, whatever fun activity you've got going on is in front of them, and they're just thrown into it. Part of us being adults is we kind of like to know what's going on. We kind of know, want to know where we're going. And so the planning people in the room, it's difficult because you're trying to do that early radar and figure it out, and God's like, I'm not letting you figure it out because I want you to follow step by step with me. And actually, that's part of the reason I'm doing this because you are a planning person, and I want you to listen to me. I want you to pay attention to me in the morning. I want you to be more like that kid that's kind of like, okay, mom's getting me dressed up. I guess we're going somewhere. You know, we're, we're I don't know where we're going. You know, wants us to be more like that to where we're his children. He's our father, and we're moving forward. So we're not talking about bad things, we're talking about good things, but ultimately it is a choice that we make in our heart to put ourselves second, to put God first, not just in our salvation, but in all of our activities. As parents, our activities with our kids. By the way, mom and dad, if you're not careful, you can allow your kids to drive the ship. I'm not saying kids aren't important, and you know, we all, moms and dads, we're supposed to sacrifice for our kids, but this train needs to pull in a single line, and God needs to be the engine, and we need to be the next car in line, and our kids need to come after the line, and we don't just serve our kids. There should be a serving God and leading, and there's some things we just have to say to our kids, yeah, that's a great thing that your friends are doing, but we're not doing that. 
because we are yielding our plans to God of heaven. So we're talking about choosing God's things over our things, not bad things or good things over bad things. It's God's things, God's direction, God's path, God's plans, dealing with all of these things. So how do you know when you are not listening to God and not following to God? Because I bet if I were to ask most of you, if we were to interview each other and say, well, are you a stubborn person? There's probably very few people in the room would say, well, yeah, I'm just really stubborn, right? Sends that way, it sneaks up on us always, right? But we're all more stubborn than we realize. In fact, if you think you're stubborn, know that you're a bit stubborn, I'll tell you a secret. You're even more stubborn than you think. It's worse. It's always worse than you think. Always. So how do we know we're stubborn? Well, for one, when we make plans and dreams, and we really are not asking God's opinion about them, that's the mistake these people made. They, they saw the problem. We're good at seeing problems in our life, right? I got this problem. I got this need. I got that. I see that. Oh, I wish this was a little bit better. Oh, I got that. I need. Oh, I need. We're great at identifying problems. We're not so great at saying, God, what do you want to do there? Because that slows us down. And if we're people of action, and probably for us as men, we tend to be wired that way, I think, more, just problem solvers and just to... Like it's just kind of in us that God made us in that. If we're not careful, we don't slow down enough where God sometimes is like, I see that problem. I see that problem. I'm not giving you an answer to that problem. I'm going to let that problem sit there a while. And you're going to have to deal with that problem. I got a plan, but you can't fix that one. I don't want you to fix it. And sometimes we're talking about moving ahead. So, you know you're stubborn. You know that you're not yielding to God in your life when you're not really asking Him His opinion on the matter. In fact, you really are gone off the rails when you do hear what He says and you say no. You're totally off the rails on that one. You see, our job is to listen to what He says. Our job is to look at Scripture. Sometimes, some, sometimes God really does make it clear in Scripture. And so we should go to that. And let God speak into our heart. God shaping our direction in life, shaping our calling, opening to us. That's what First Samuel's about because it's so rich with all the stories and real life and things in there that God the Holy Spirit takes that and speaks into our word. If we are really serious and sincere asking His direction, He will guide us. Men, as you know, the, the, our monthly breakfast, we're walking through that series talking about kingdom stewardship. And I love the opening illustration that Tony Evans talked about is that God is the owner, we are the manager. We are in management when it comes to our lives. We are in management when it comes to our church and to our families, but God is the owner. And as managers, our job is to check in with the owner, not just blow the owner off and say, well, I, I don't know, I didn't even know you had an opinion about that. You don't want to ask God forgiveness, right? You've heard the, it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission sometimes, just go ahead and do it. It does not work that way with God. So stopping, asking His opinion, looking at Scripture constantly as you're reading in your devotion life, whether you get it on a podcast or listening to it or you get a devotional sent to you, or you're reading in the Scripture, whether or not you're, you're listening, you, you miss service and you're listening to our podcast online. However, just saying, God, would you talk to me? I'm here. And if you've got a yield sign in front of me, I'm all, 
I'm all ears. I want to listen to you. We're stubborn when we don't, not only don't listen to God, we're really stubborn when we just say, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And we've all done that, folks. And it is a really bad day when your life crashes into God. You never come out clean on that one. It is a bad day, and we have all done it. So I'm grateful. That's where grace comes in that we sang about. We did it before we knew Jesus, and we will do it afterwards. And as we talked about before, is that the problem comes as Christians is that when we presume upon God's grace. So we rely on it. We are grateful for it. It keeps us whole. But we should never be just like, well, I'm going to do it anyway because I know that God's going to forgive me. Well, you can do that if you're a follower of Jesus and surrendered your life to Him. Your sins are forgiven, beginning, now, and forever. But you sure can make your life a mess, and you can make a life a mess for other people. And God loves you so much that He's just not going to let you get away with it. He is going to work through it and teach you, and it's just going to be more painful, more teary, more frustrating, harder than it ever should have been. So not listening to Him, not listening to the counsel of other people. They, God was, it, Samuel was God's spokesman. He was the man at that time and that age. Today we have a Bible, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. God also speaks through people in our lives. There's a safety in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says. Too often when we're thinking about something, we just talk to somebody that's going to agree with us because we're afraid to talk to somebody that we think might disagree with us. Right? We're just looking for affirmation to kind of do what we want to do anyway. But if you genuinely want to listen to God and are not being stubborn, ask counsel for somebody else that you know that's in tune with God, that's godly, that's close enough to your situation, and you can explain it enough, that can help you to understand what God wants. If you're a new believer in Christ, you're just beginning in that. You might not have the experiences of all of kind of the character and nature of God, and you need to learn from other godly believers that have wisdom and maturity. That's what our life groups are about. That's what our relationships are about. But all of us, me included, need counsel from one another, time to time, because we're busy living our lives, and we're immersed in the details, and we need to hear from God. And even if we're trying to live godly, and we're walking with Him, and we're listening to Him, we still need the input of, of other people in our life. When we're not seeking that, then we by default are just making a right-hand turn and ignoring whatever God's path might be in front of our lives. Two more, how you might know you're kind of being stubborn. When you want to be like the people around you. See, Israel looked around and they were like, they got a better deal over there. It's not so good. Samuel, we like you and all, but we want to be like them. Be careful. When you ask yourself and you really think through it, it's not that the other nations were ungodly because they had a king. The issue is Israel just wanted to be like them. And when you want to just be like others, you are missing what God might be doing in your life that's different. We tend, it's so funny as people, we want to be different and unique and all of that, and we try so hard to be different and unique and cool and whatever the latest thing is, and we end up just doing, being unique and cool like all this other group of people. You know, we're just, we're people, we're, we're pack animals, we're 
schools of fish, we're flocks of birds, we're, you know, we're sheep that are all flocked together, if you will. We kind of run together in that. And that's good in a lot of ways. But listen, you're an individual before the God of heaven. And when we're talking about some things in life, God just might have something a little bit different for you or your family. And it's okay. We chafe at that a little bit because it's hard. We find affirmation with others, but it's okay if that's what God has in front of you. And so pursue that. And don't be, be careful if you're just really at the end of the day trying to do what other people are doing. And at the end of the day, be careful of what you're really trusting. See, this is the real issue. The surface issue is that Jay just, you know, kind of wanted to solve a problem. But really, their heart was against God. They were not trusting God to take care of them. Because what they said is, is we want a king to go out and fight our battles. They were rejecting God fighting their battles. Sometimes you and I make plans for something and it looks good, but what's underneath that plan is we don't want to have to rely on God. We want to rely on us. We want to rely on this other solution. It's, it can be uncomfortable, and it can be a little unnerving to have your only hope being an invisible God that you can't see and being an your only hope in an invisible God that's in control that just doesn't do what you want to do all the time. At the end of the day, we just want to be in control. So often, we even as, as followers of Jesus will pray, well, I prayed about it. And sometimes we're praying, it's just really our manipulation to God. Well, God, I asked you for it. I expect this better ought to be coming. And it's our justification to do what we want to do anyway. But really at heart, if you're yielded to God, a living faith in God says, God, I'm willing to hang out there and feel vulnerable, feel at risk, feel uncomfortable, and knowing that my only safety net underneath me is you. I've never jumped out of an airplane. I'm not sure I've got the stomach for it. I can't, I can't even do the corkscrew water slide things. You know, I've got like an inner ear thing and I get around and dizzy and I'm just like, you know, sick to my stomach. But can you imagine stepping out of a plane and having nothing underneath you and you know all you got is that one parachute that's going to take care of you and I assume there's a backup parachute and all that, but literally just one parachute. Like you're putting your faith in so many people at that point. And we should know that God is going to come through and take care of us. But because we're people, we want something physical that we can touch and we can control. We, want, we are like that little kid that gets scared, and that even though they trust mom and dad and know they're going to take care of them and protect them, they're still scared and can't get over it. And what our Christian life is like after we trust Jesus is just a series of experiences in life where God is saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And He's building and growing our trust. That living faith is us yielding that God is the only hope that we ever have at any moment in our life. And there's a lot of it that we just still don't like. Even though we sing about Jesus and King Jesus and He's in charge, we still want to be in charge. So yielding to Him means that we trust Him and we don't trust these other things. Sometimes God would like to give us something, but the problem is, is we're putting our trust in that and not God, and God will never 
allow that to happen. So how do you, how do you deal with it? I'm going to wrap up with this. When you kind of realize, like, whoa, I really have been trying to control, and I want life to turn out my way, and I've got my expectations, i got my dreams, and I'm struggling because I didn't get this job, and I'm kind of mad, and I'm kind of whatever, and all of that. How do we then step back and say, God, I think I was headed to a fender bender with you, but I yield to you in faith. So the first thing is, is you just consciously say, God, this is really hard. This is painful. God, I'm a bit afraid. God, I'm a bit angry. I'm a bit whatever. Like, you know to be honest with God, guys, right? He already knows what's in your heart, so why hide? Why try to make yourself feel better? Well, I'm not angry at God. I've never been upset with God. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> if you're upset about things that have happened that are out of your control that you know God could have done something with, then you're kind of upset at God. So it's us going to Him and saying, God, would you help me? God, I want to yield to you. I don't know how to. I'm struggling letting go of this. Be honest with him. Go to him and help. And that's what he wants in the first place is to teach you to yield to him and admit, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm confused. I had this dream and I've been going for years down this dream and now it's obvious that's not what you want and what's going to happen and God, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't even know how to function. Go to Him and tell Him those things in prayer. Look for help in His Word. When you're in that kind of world, you need to live and stay in the book of Psalms and just camp out and let God speak into your heart in the middle of that. But you be honest with Him. And be honest with what you're trusting. God, you just yanked that out from under me and I got hurt and I got scared. And I realized I was actually trusting in that than I was in what you wanted. God, I was hinging my whole future on this particular job. And I know you saved me and Jesus died for me, but wow, I didn't realize that. And God, as hard as it is, and I'm not really feeling it just yet, but thank you for not giving it to me. You see, what you're doing is you're beginning to yield your heart to the God of heaven. Folks, we have to kind of wrestle with our soul before God, our whole life as followers of Him, to be faithful and obedient. It's kind of fighting for your own health. And, and so be honest with Him. Admit those kinds of things. We don't complain, and we don't throw temper tantrums. We as adults do the same things little kids do. We really do. You know, sometimes little kids, and I'm thinking like twos and maybe threes, don't, and, and, and even like ones before they turn two and can fully communicate, sometimes they want something or bothered, and it's legitimate, and they just can't get it out, and they get frustrated and angry. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm talking about twos and threes when the kid knows what you want and you know that they know what they want and they're mad and they're rejecting you. They're telling you no. I'll tell you a secret, mom and dad. God's authority to your kid is through you. And when your kid tells you no of something that's reasonable and they're in a reasonably emotionally healthy you know, situation. and I, those, I feel like whenever I wade into some of these things, I have to give asterisks and asterisks and asterisks and asterisks to, you know, well, there's certain special cases for this and this and this and that. I'm talking about relatively healthy emotionally and all of that and relationally and all of those kinds of things. 
But when that kid knows what you want, even when they're two and three, and you know that they know what they want, and it's appropriate for them as two and three, and they tell you no, it's just like them telling God no. And as a parent, your job is to ultimately discipline that. And I know popular parenting today is, well, that's a temper tantrum. Just redirect them, just distract them, they'll get over it. Well, come on, that's just like a, a life hack. You're just treating them like a, like a circuit board or some dog or animal. Like this is a living being made in the image of God, and they're telling you no, and they deserve better than that. They deserve to be challenged in that, in that rebellion before God in heaven. You know, and it's so it's so funny because some kids, when they really, and I'm talking again, emotionally healthy kids that can do this, but like, you know, till I get my way, I'm gonna hold my breath. Well, you're just hurting yourself here. You know, you're not hurting me. You know, fall out and hit their head on the against the floor, and they start hurting themselves. Watch a few of the reality police shows. Don't go crazy on it because it's not reality big asterisks and all of that, but you will see people that are completely wrong and they will get mad and they'll do all kinds, they'll just start hitting their head. They're throwing an adult temper tantrum. We do it. We do it emotionally as adults. When we do it emotionally as adults, we get angry. That anger can slide into depression. We get frustrated. We get all kinds of things to God and what we're doing is we're throwing an adult temper tantrum. So we don't do that. Because God's looking at you and saying, yeah, I see what you're doing, and your next step needs to be, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry because I'm mad that I didn't get my way. I'm sorry that I was so hell-bent on just do it, getting what I wanted, and I'm angry, I'm depressed. Not all depression is this, but a good chunk of it is. I'm upset, and I'm hurting myself and those around me, and we have to let go of that and say, God, I yield my plans to you. Because we have to step back and say, God, you're smarter. You're wiser. You have full authority over my life. And I refuse to make my life centered around me. And I refuse to act like I am smarter than you, that I have more authority than you, that I should deserve all of these things. And instead... I choose to let you be in control of my life. God, guys, that's not easy. There's a process in that, and that can be challenging, and walking through that journey, and especially, especially when the things that we want hurt us deep, there's a healing and a coming to terms and coming to grip with those things, but it's still the same journey. It's still the same pathway. And what it is is us realizing that this is a messed up world, God's in charge, and we're not. And whether we like it or not, he's at that intersection first, and our job is to yield and give way to him. So this morning, what has God been speaking into your heart? Maybe there's a parent in here saying, oh my goodness, we've not sat down and tried to think through what our differences are of our parents and where we are. I don't want to repeat the mistakes that my parents made. Or I want to grab, every parent has done some good things, and every parent's done some bad things, and you need to wade through those. Maybe God's speaking into your heart that you've been afraid of something and really that fear is coming out of a lack of trusting God and you've been wanting something to kind of deal with that fear. And God is saying, I just want you to trust me a little bit more because I have totally got you. When you're a child of God, you sit in the palm of the God of heaven and there's not one thing that can happen to you in this world 
that is outside of his care and protection will. Well, Sean, I get that, but sometimes I don't like the protection and the stuff that God allows. I understand that. That's hard. But God has still got you even in the middle of that, and you have to trust him. Maybe God has revealed some other things to you. Maybe you've had a dream that you've had to kind of surrender. surrender. Maybe it was a long time ago and you never came to terms with. And maybe you need to yield to that and say, God, I give up that dream. What do you want? In my experience, God's dreams are always better than ours. They always tend to be bigger, more impactful. We just might not see it as much. And then you might need to be a spot where saying, well, God, what is your dream? Help me pursue that. I don't know what God's been speaking, but folks... We're just like these people, and our job is to yield to Him. So where this morning do you need to yield to Him in your life? Where have you been yielding? And this might be just simply a confirmation, like, Sean, I just had this very prayer this week. That, Thank you, God, that you've encouraged me. I don't know. What, what needs to be, be, where do you need to be encouraged? Where do you need to be challenged? Where do you need to yield? Maybe you're this morning, and you're just like, I've never really yielded to God. I've believed and gone to church and all of those things, but I've never really just said, God, I want you in charge of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender and yield my life to you. I'm done trying to fix myself. I want Jesus to be in charge. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that's the first yield that needs to happen. Do that today. It's not the right saying the right words. It's the heart trusting Jesus to forgive you of your sins and telling him that, that's all that matters. So whatever God spoke in your heart, as Scott comes and leads us in our last song, respond to him today, all right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for his grace, his power. Thank you, Lord, you are so merciful and you are so patient, far more than we ever could be. And Lord, you are a, uh, you're a patient God. You're a tough God. You won't let us get away with our own junk. You love us too much. You have too much more for us. So, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to lay aside our expectations. Help us to accept your grace, to lay aside the dreams when they need to be. Lord, help us to be bold. This is not a, a, a yielded faith. It's not a passive faith where we sit back. It's just a, we're, the Bible says we're bold as lions, but it's a faith that we trust you and yield to your plans. And in as much as you've made those clear, we run hard and boldly after them because you're in the middle of that. Lord, help our lives to be in alignment with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at RiverAlbany.com.